Welcome to the University of the Free State Career Services Podcast, where we talk to experts about the ins and outs of jobs and share tips that will give you a grip on your future career. Welcome to our honored um, listeners. This is Lerato Mokadi, and today we have Nombulelo Tali. Tolitemba Shang. That's a very beautiful name, Tolitemba. Thank you. I'm sure there's a beautiful backstory to behind it, but I feel <laughs> my first impression when I met um, Unombulelo was when I was reading your bio, right? Was how when you get to a space, you kind of change it very quickly, like you're very innovative. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to be talking to a very innovative lady today. Um, she is a sociology lecturer currently, right? And she did something that I didn't know was possible. You introduced two new courses mm-hmm. into the space uh, for social movement and sociology, health, and illness. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that <laughs> lecturers could do that, but but that's amazing. And you're currently now a chairperson of. Of um, the UFS Women's uh, Forum, which mm-hmm. is newly formed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing your PhD right now in anthropology, and you also worked for an angel called Friends on the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends yes. of the Earth. South right? Africa, yeah. Yeah, you see why when I say you, when you get to spaces, you change. When you were a lecturer, you um, incorporated these two new courses, right? And then when you were part of Friends of the Earth, your biggest achievement was creating a, a media training program, an online platform, right, mm. for the communities faced with ecological injustice. Mm. You came in, saw a problem, and you fixed it. <laughs> You're a woman who, who, who delivers. And, 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 like, your bio is so extensive, such an interesting woman. And um, you're very young. I feel like you accomplished a lot in, in, in such a small time. How did you do all of that? I'm not as young as I look, um, so I get that a lot, so thank you, but I am still young. Um, You know, I don't know where to start. It's difficult to say. I think you have to get into spaces and um, sort of meet people where they are. I think Mm -hmm. that's how I often try to sort of achieve or accomplish the things that I want to achieve, so... um, for instance, looking at something like the the social movements course um, in our mm. department, it was something that was always in the pipeline. So I can't like also take all of the credit. Um, but in terms of being the one who was leading, in terms of developing it, in terms of being very intentional about the kind of theorists and case studies, making sure yeah. that they're African-centered, um, whilst also bringing in global case studies because we're not living in ILO, in silos or in isolation. Mm. That was from, and I think, a, a, a conversations, series of discussions that obviously you have with your, with your colleagues and, and your peers constantly, but maybe what we often don't do in higher education is we have similar conversations with our students. Yeah. So very informally, but also in other structured ways, throughout the lectures and the courses, just getting a sense of like, what are my students like hungry for? And I think, mm. again, not to take all the credit, Fismas 4 also already kind of did that for us, uh-huh. you know, because yes. um, I was now coming into the space 2018, 2019. It was two, three years post that period. Mm. So there's a lot of learning that happened during that time. Um, and it was just like about trying to take that and like um, bringing in, into curriculum developments for the sort mm. of greater decolonial agenda that the students had had set for us. 
So with all of this, I'm sure now our listeners are thinking, okay, this lady is very woke. Okay, she's speaking a lot of sense, <laughs> spitting some words, right? Um, but now they're thinking, what was her journey yeah. um, from being a student to where you are right now? Can yeah. you just tell us a little bit about how you got here? And when you got here, why were you so interested in this space and yeah. staying and developing it as you did? I, it's it's such a long journey because I've never lived at home, like I was saying to you earlier. Yeah. So everything from my experiences um, in a predominantly white school, being raised in a very Western sort of setting, when originally I'm from Guamashu, and like the clash and the push and pull between those two spaces and eventually finding myself in a place where I don't quite belong in either. I think mm. all of that was uh, from the get-go a, a gradual culmination of like building me to be the person that I am today. And I think because I grew up in that space in the early 90s as well, where in a lot of instances you were the first, like mm. the first cohort of black students to be allow, uh, allowed into white schools yeah. um, the, or the only or whatever, yeah. you, you, you kind of experience a lot of repression and oppression and mm. um, you have to you have to learn your space, you have to master the space, but you also have to challenge the space because you can't let your sense of self um, be removed from a space as crucial as like a career pl place or a place of education where you're spending a lot of your formative years. I don't know that I was always very critical when I was younger because I'm also very shy and introverted. Uh, really? <laughs> there's another, uh, there's a whole other side to me <laughs> that people don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's learning that, you know, you kind of, to grow, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zones constantly. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I bring into even the NGO space. It was a matter of seeing how things are constantly done. And part of the reason why I instituted the community project where communities were making their own media was because mm -hmm. I was the media manager. So I was responsible for the various communities all over the country that yeah. we work with on coal issues, on waste issues, on even health issues, because there's a lot of intersection between health and ecology. And it got overwhelming. I couldn't do all of it for all the communities while also um, producing the work that I have to do for, for the organization. Yes, yes. And the, the idea of creating these these workshops, unfortunately, I left before I was able to see really see the fruition, the, the plan and the hope was to have the project um, accredited eventually so that people can actually get a certificate or qualification out of it because yeah. a lot of them are unemployed activists who are in the environmental justice space. Um, who struggle not just with the ecological issues of living next to a coal um, mm. mine yeah. or a, a power station or my uh, just like a landfill site, yeah. um, but who also have to navigate um, unemployment, poverty, as well as all the other issues that um, arguably we as the middle class still have to navigate gender issues. South Africa is a highly racialized place. Wherever you are, your skin kind of speaks first. And mm. so that was part of the motivation, part of the journey. And yeah. Oh, you got here. So now um, with 
when you were talking um, about where you've been, how you got to the space and um, why you chose the space, um, it feels like it, it was destined from a long time ago. Life, life experiences brought mm. you here. But now I want to know if you had to choose, what else would you be doing? I would definitely do something with my hands. So even yeah. when I got to university, I didn't start out doing sociology. In fact, I was a fine arts major. Oh. Um, in high school, I was doing my majors were well, like things like drama and art. Mm. Um, and I'm also very good when it comes to like cooking. It's always like a constant battle with my feminist self because it's just like, <laughs> I love doing this, but also I know there's like certain connotations about women and like domestic and work kitchen, and yeah. being in the kitchen. Yes. And so I don't, I, I, I like to think I don't do it along those lines. When I asked my mom when I was still in grade 11, grade 12 to go to culinary school, because I really was torn about what to study. Yeah. Her response was, I'm not going to pay for you to go learn how to do something you already <laughs> know how to do. So I love to cook. If, mm. if I could, I would even find a way to bring all of it together, you know, and yeah. almost like an art form um, where like it's not just cooking for the sake of cooking and taste. It's like the visual, um, the sounds, the all of it. I think food and, and all those types of things can draw different ex expressions from mm -hmm. like different areas. So I would definitely like have a fusion kitchen or something and have people from all over the world and recipes from all over the world because I also love to travel. I've lived in South Korea. Um, I've traveled to different parts of Europe yeah. and Africa as well, the African continent. So every time I travel, I come back and I try to master recreating those dishes. Mm. Sometimes I succeed, other times I fail, but it's like happy failures. It's still like good food, yes. but just not quite what it was. It doesn't quite Yeah, say. it's not authentic yes, enough. it doesn't have that spice. <laughs> I fully understand. <laughs> so now um, my next question for you is what do you think makes you good at your job um, and what so it's double barrel right mm -hmm. um, what makes you good at your job what's the good part of your job and mm -hmm. also what makes your job a bit mundane I feel bad not giving like a, 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 a like kind of a quantitative tangible thing because I get that that's also part of the point of this platform for career students considering mm -hmm. different careers but I don't think what makes me good at my job is all the various skills that I have. I do have many, like I'm a phenomenal writer, I'll say that. Come on um, <laughs> But I think what makes me really good at my job is that I, I put a lot of care into the work. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that also comes from uh, my feminist sentiments, being someone who believes strongly in equity and, and feminism more as just like a thing that represents women, but like feminism as a discourse that's rooted in um, how do we navigate our shared oppressions, you yeah. know, um, in various levels of society, because it's far more nuanced than uh, man, woman. Patriarchy affects men just mm. as much, sometimes even more than it affects women. Mm. Um, beyond the black and white, beyond um, the religious divisions and all of that, if we can center a lot of how not even how we work but how we navigate the world as people uh, in care then i think 
um, we start to see like really amazing things come out of you as the individual, but also of like the people around you. So I always have, I don't always get it right. Obviously yeah. there's stressful moments where you're just like, I actually don't care about anybody or anything <laughs> but myself right now. Yeah, yes. And you have to navigate those, but I always try to then bring myself back to it. I talk too much, so I've forgotten your second follow-up question. <laughs> what, <laughs> I was wondering, um, what what makes your job mundane or hard? Mm, admin. <sighs> Ma'am, admin will Admin and also the, the humanities are in crisis and I do empathize with our students um, even for us in, in academia where it's just like you know if you've done humanities often there's this perception that academia is the obvious space root, root, yeah. root, which yeah. is not always true mm. but even for the quote-unquote obvious space it's hard we have to hustle a lot more for funding than we did in the past mm. it's it's like things like even now in my PhD journey I had more access to resources and funds in my master's year, which was over 10 years ago, than I do now. Like, I was really? bawling in my master's, and now I'm just <laughs> like, okay, how do we make this work? How do, kind what needs it, to go? It. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very, the, the admin, and, and the thing is the funding and application processes are also very linked to like highly administrative processes. Mm. So it's the admin from the teaching and learning side, but it's also the admin from like trying to push your research. It's just admin, admin everywhere. You find yourself spending 40% of your time on admin by the time you actually get the chance to get to the meat and the exciting stuff. You're depleted. It's yeah. not as exciting anymore. Um, and maybe you're not doing a, as good of a job as you could possibly do yeah. if there was like a bit more uh, less admin or more support in navigating the admin. Yeah. yeah so. But but there are ways to get around. They are it? definitely there are um, time management and no sleep. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Self care is very important. Um, I the first answer. <laughs> <laughs> time management, um, but also being vocal and honest in whichever space, be it in the academy or wherever you find yourself in. Um, push yourself, of course. You want to show your employers, your supervisors, your team members that you're a team player, you're someone who can push projects through, and but at the same time never do it to the detriment of your um, emotional health, your overall well-being, yeah. your uh, mental health. So be honest to say, um, I'm not going to be – well, it's – it's the almost HR speak. Um, I've been taught that you don't say, I can't do this. You say something like, okay, between A, B, and C, and you kind of lay out all the projects that mm. you're dealing with in that moment. Um, given that there isn't enough time to work on all of it, which would you like me to prioritize? Uh -huh. And then it becomes a little bit clearer to see, okay, maybe this project isn't that important. Yeah. And so it's okay if the ball gets dropped a little bit or if it gets passed on to someone else. So definitely also be honest about what your what your limits are because even machines need to rest and, uh, you know, yes. human capabilities aren't infinite. Wow. Even machines need to rest. Yeah. You know, give yourself a break. <laughs> Actually, I want to take that advice, okay? <laughs> Go to the final part of our interview. So I'm going to ask you five questions here okay. in this round. I'm going to ask you, are you ready for the five questions? You're going to respond, fire away. Okay. okay. And quick. You don't okay. think about it. You don't meditate on it. You just say the words, okay? <laughs> yeah. Great. 
Are you ready for our fire questions? Fire away. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sweet or salty? Both, because I love cooking. <laughs> remote or on-site? Definitely remote. Every morning I? Wake up and go pee. <laughs> wake up and what? I wake up with a very full bladder, so I wake <laughs> up and go pee. <laughs> okay, and my favorite word is? Apparently juxtapose. Apparently I use it a little too much in my academic work. What is it? Ju Juxtapose. What does that mean? <laughs> it means like, it basically means to compare or put something up against each other. It's a bit more complex than that. It's a word that comes from fine art. Maybe the fine art students mm. will know it. You usually talk about juxtaposing certain colors together in order to like give off a certain feeling or view or whatever. But I use it even in like writings on yeah. like um, social science stuff and people are like, what the hell? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, word of the day, juxtapose. Okay, thank you so, so much. You reach the end of our interview thank you. thank you so much for coming that's it for now listen to all our episodes to make sure that you get into the fast lane of career success